Hey, it's good to see you today. And today is a, the kickoff of a big week that followed a big week that followed a big week. That we, we've had a busy summer, haven't we? I just want to take a little bit of time and say, first off, uh, welcome to everyone. We're thrilled to have our kids in here with us. And thank you to all of you that are joining online. And I want to talk for just a minute about last week. Last week was district assembly, and we had the privilege of hosting for our whole district, the Southwest Ohio District. We hosted district assembly here. And I just wanted to say some thank yous, because that's a big deal. It takes a lot of work to get the building ready and to make everything run smoothly. And so I just wanted to say that district assembly was, it was great, and it is a real privilege and honor to be able to host it for our district. And so I wanted to say thanks to Pastor Deb and our worship team. They led worship and did an amazing job. We are pretty blessed to have such a great worship team here and to be able to come together and worship every week. Thank you, Deb, and thank you, team. And, and the tech team that was here all week making things work, playing videos, getting the mics right, um, all the people that served in tech, and especially Pastor Shane, who just joined us three weeks ago and dove headfirst into like this huge event. And so thank you to everybody on the tech team. And then she's not here, she doesn't attend here, she attends another church, but our office administrator, Hannah, is just amazing at doing things. So I just wanted to publicly say thank you to Hannah. And so you guys know just how great she is. She did, does so much for events like that. And then to all of you that were here and you know greeted at doors and moved tables and just served in different ways, thank you to everybody that was a part of District Assembly. Um, we're starting, like I said, Serve Week is this week, and we believe that we are all called to serve our community, and so I want to invite you to be a part of that. But one thing I, I wanted to take just a minute on before we jump into the Word is that we, it's on Saturday, we have a missions team heading out to El Salvador. If you're going to El Salvador, would you stand? Do we have some in here that are going? Would you just stay standing for just a minute? So there's a team going on Saturday. Some of them are out setting up, but here's the deal. We want to pray for them. Because uh, on Saturday, they're taking off and they're going to be gone for a week and serving down there. And so what I want you guys to do is stay where you're at. And listen, if you're not anywhere close to anyone, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just put your hand out towards them as if you're, you know, putting your hand on them. Just put your hands out towards them and let's pray together. If you're close to them, you can put your hand on, on their shoulder. And we just want to pray for them. We want to pray for the events of this next week, um, serve week, everything that's going on. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to, to be together in your presence today. I thank you that each and every one of us have the opportunity to walk with you every day. And I thank you for the opportunity to come together with our brothers and sisters in Christ and to worship you. And, and Lord, I thank you for District Assembly. I thank you for all the things that have happened so far this summer. And, um, and Lord, I thank you for the opportunities that we have this week um, just to serve our community, to make an impact and to build your kingdom. And we especially right now want to pray for those that are going to El Salvador, the team that's going. I pray that you would just be with each one of them. I pray that you would help them to understand that they are your missionaries this week to El Salvador, that they're going to, to build the kingdom there. So I pray for each and every one. I pray that you would go ahead of them and that, that you'd work out all the details with travel and that everything would work smoothly and, and everything would, would go as planned. But more than that, Lord, I pray that they would experience you on that trip, and I pray that they would share the love and the grace that you have with the people there in El Salvador. 
Lord, I pray that you'd be with each one of us as we have an opportunity this week to serve you on Serve Week. I just pray, Lord, that you would give us uh, a calling, give us, you know, put your thumb in our back and help us to, to get involved and serve our community. And Lord, I just pray for each and every one of us that you would remind us that we're not just supposed to sit in here comfortable receiving your love, but that we're supposed to go and we're supposed to serve and we're supposed to love others. So I pray that you would call us, I pray that you would lead us, and I pray that you'd go before us this next week and all the weeks to come. And Lord, we give you everything today in Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, we are continuing our More Like Jesus series. This is our last week of this series. And, and through this series, what we're talking about holiness. We are a holiness church. We believe that God calls us to holiness. And, and so there's a big, that's a big thing. And so over the past four weeks and then today, we're painting this picture of what it looks like to live a holy life. Let me just say this and be really clear. God's plan for each and every one of his followers is holiness. God's plan is not for some of, some of the followers to sit on the sideline and be like halfway Christian and then others to be like super holy Christians. God's plan for each and every one of us, God's plan for you is that you would be holy, that you would live a holy lifestyle. And so over the past four weeks, we've been kind of painting this picture and today we'll, we'll complete it. But I just want to give us a quick um, reminder of what we've talked about so far so that you can see the whole picture. Number one, holiness is being transformed into the image of Christ. We believe that as we grow in our relationship, as we continue to be transformed, that we are actually being transformed into the image of God. Not that we become God, but that we become Christ-like in the way that we live. The second week, we talked about this, this issue of sin and selfishness. And that holiness is being delivered from that, that we can live a life without sinning, that we can be delivered from, from depravity or selfishness, that thing that we were born with. We can, we can get past that and we can live completely surrendered and holy lives for Christ. The third week, we talked about pressing on towards Christ, that we are called to continually grow in our faith. And then last week, we talked about the fact that as we're pressing on, as we're growing, that keeps us from falling away. See, this is really important. There is no neutral in your faith. If you're following Christ, you're either growing closer to him or you're growing further away. You can't just take a pause and stay where you are. That's not how it works. And so we continually press on towards Christ. We continually know him more, walk with him and grow in holiness. Well, today is a really important part, and this is something that I think sometimes in the church we struggle with this. Let's just be honest. Sometimes as humans, a lot of time as humans, we struggle with this concept, and, and the church is not immune to it, and that's the idea of love. So the last paragraph of Nazarene Article of Faith 10, this is, I, we've read through the whole thing. This is the last paragraph. It's short, and I think most of these words are pretty easy to digest here. It says, participating in the means of grace, especially the fellowship, the disciplines, and the sacraments of the church, believers grow in grace, and then listen to this next part. This is really important. And in wholehearted love for God and neighbor. 
We, we, not just, we don't just grow in better behavior. We don't just grow in church attendance and looking more Christian. We grow in wholehearted love for God and for the people around us. We are called to holy living, not just in behavior, but in the way that we love each other. When Jesus is asking Matthew 22, what's the greatest commandment? What does he say? He says it's love God and love your neighbor. Everything else hangs on those two things. Love God and love your neighbor. So I want you to get this, that holiness is first and foremost about love. We cannot claim to be holy and not be a people of love. And sometimes we in the church can be really good at attending, we can be really good at looking the part but if we're not loving our neighbors, if we're not loving God with everything we have, we're not living holy lifestyles. We, you can be as pious and as religious as you want to. You can, you can have it all look perfect, but if you're not loving the people around you, you're not living in holiness. You're not living a Christ-like life. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, you've probably heard it at a wedding before. It, it, the beginning of it says, I could speak in the tongues of men or angels, but if I have not love, then I am like a clanging cymbal. It says, I could have the gift of prophecy, I could have all knowledge, I could have faith that moves mountains, I could give all I have to the poor, but if I don't love, I have nothing. Holiness is first and foremost about loving God and loving others. I want to tell you a quick story. I may have told you this story before. I'm sorry if I'm repeating, but, but this is just something I witnessed. And so have any of you ever experienced or heard about Bible quizzing? Anybody? So like Bible quizzing is something that young people do in the church. It used to be more popular than it is now, but, but Bible quizzing is where kids will memorize scriptures and memorize questions, and then they, they quiz on it. And I remember when I was a youth pastor in South Carolina, our district quiz team was really good. I mean, they knew their stuff. They knew scripture. And I remember we went to a, a quiz meet. It was a regional one, so it was at Treveca down in Nashville. That's one of our Nazarene schools. And, and they, they did a quiz against this other district. I won't tell you which one because I don't remember, and it wouldn't be worth me telling you anyway. But our, our quiz team, South Carolina, like I said, we were pretty good, and we were dominating. I mean, just absolutely dominating. I think the score was something crazy like 300 to zero. I don't remember if the 300 is right, but it was a lot to nothing, is what I'm trying to tell you. And, and so the last question of the quiz, this, this kid from the other group, they hadn't scored a single point, getting completely shut out. Our team had it easily won, and this kid from the other group jumps up and gives the answer, and they say, that's correct, and that district just jumped up and cheered because they finally got some points. Woo! And one of the South Carolina kids jumped up and stepped to the mic and challenged their answer and got the points taken away. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the South Carolina people jumped up and were all excited. Listen, I, I know that's harsh, but I, I'm using this in as an example. We can know scripture all we want, but you know what? That wasn't real loving. <laughs> I know that it's competition, I know that there's something to that, but listen, I just think that you can have it all figured out, you can memorize the Bible, you can go to church every week, but if you're not living 
and loving the people around you. Man, I, I didn't jump up and clap because my heart broke for those kids. And that's not, listen, those are good kids in South Carolina, but that was just an example that sometimes it, it, you can have it all figured out, but if you're not loving, you're not living the right way. We're going to look at 1 John chapter 4 today. Why don't you stand with me in honor of God's word? And um, there's three things we're going to talk about in 1 John 4 here today. And, and my prayer is that you really catch this. It's so important. So I'm going to read this, and you can follow along on the screen with me. It's a lot, but um, this is really good stuff. Verse 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our, for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. We talked about this earlier in More Like Jesus, that we are being transformed into his image. This is how we know in this world we are like Jesus. There's no fear in love. Can I just, that's, a, that's pretty good. Can we hear that again? There's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. You can have a seat. So three things that I want us to catch in here. Um, first off, I want to talk about how this all works together. It's, it's kind of beautiful over the last three weeks. We first heard from Paul, and Paul says, I press on. I consider everything rubbish, everything garbage, for the sake of knowing Christ. So I press on to know Christ. For Paul, the most important thing was knowing Christ. And then, then we, we looked at, at, at Peter, and Peter says, in Jesus, we have everything we need. So when we press on towards Christ, in Christ, we have everything we need to live the holy life. You don't need a bunch of other stuff. You need Jesus. And now John tells us that God is love, that love comes from God, and we are called, it says at the end, the command is that we love each other. So are you getting this full picture that we press on towards Christ, that we have everything we need in Christ, and that he is love, and that's what we're called to? 
And so first and foremost, holiness is about loving God with everything we have and loving those around us. The first thing, I I just want to spend some time giving you some really good news. Verse 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. That's, that's kind of, this is kind of a tricky verse. It says everyone who loves has been born of God. We were all created by God, but this could give us the picture that anybody who's ever loved at all is a Christian. That's not what this is saying. This is saying that when we really truly love, then we really know God. It says whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. There's a lot of different pictures in the world of what love is, but God is true, perfect love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. I want to talk for just a minute. See, we have all shaped beliefs, thoughts, and even actions based on what we've seen and heard and experienced about love. And and unfortunately, sometimes our experiences, in fact, a lot of times our our experiences are incomplete. It's almost as if we're, we're, we're seeing love, but we're getting like a distorted view or we're just getting part of it. This says God is love. God is perfect love. But the truth is all of us have, have you know, d- defined, formulated, been impressed by how others have loved us. Maybe it's parents. Uh, maybe, maybe your view of love comes from the way that your parents loved or, or didn't love you well. Maybe it's relationships, maybe a spouse or a significant other, maybe you've had some experiences where, where you were getting a picture of what love is. Th- those experiences, may, maybe there's friendships that you've, you've experienced and you've gotten a picture of what love is. Maybe, I hope this isn't the case, but maybe your views on love have been shaped by media or stories or what you've heard. Listen, I want you to hear this today. Maybe you've had some good experience about love, but they're not the whole picture because God is love. True, perfect love comes from Him. And here's the problem, that, that sometimes our experiences of love don't show us perfect love. Maybe, maybe love has, has been hurtful to you. Maybe you were in a relationship where you felt like you had to earn everything, every little piece of love that you got, and if you fell short, you lost it. When we're in that kind of relationship, it, it teaches us that, that we have to achieve, we have to earn. And, and unfortunately, I think a lot of us walk around in our Christian life feeling that way, that we've got to earn God's love. If you've ever been hurt, you know, there's a saying, hurt people do what? Hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. Because when we experience pain, when we experience the wrong kind of love, oftentimes that is perpetuated in the way that we treat others. If you've ever had trust broken in a relationship, 
That often causes us to close ourselves off and stop being vulnerable in love. Uh, You've probably all heard someone say this, like, I'm never going to love again because that happened to me. And listen, what I'm saying is your picture of love is shaped by the experiences you've had. And the problem is, even in the good moments, we're not seeing the full picture. Here's the really good news. There's a God that loves you perfectly. I don't, I don't know if you came in here this morning. Can, can we just tune some stuff out? Can you just hear this, this really good news? I don't know if you came in here this morning feeling unloved or feeling like you're not doing enough or feeling like you can't trust or feeling like you've been let down too many times. Listen to me, God loves you more than you will ever know, and he loves you perfectly. God is the only source of perfect love. And so first off, I want you to hear this today, God loves you. And God loves you perfectly. It says he loves you so much that he gave his one and only son, his perfect son. Man, as a dad of four boys, I can't even fathom what that must be like. But when I think about that, I'm just reminded that that God loved me, that God loves you so much that he would give his one, his only, his perfect son so that you could have life. It goes on, it says that his love is in no way based on merit. It says not that we loved him or that we earned this love, but he already loved us. In fact, it says, while we were still sinners. Imagine someone coming up and just cursing you out or punching you or hurting you over and over again. What this tells us is, even when we were selfish and sinful, God loved us. So I I want you to hear this today. There's nothing that you can do to make God love you more or to make God love you less. God loves you perfectly. Some of you may have seen some really broken, broken, hurtful pictures of love. You know what you need? You need to know the one who loves you perfectly. You need to know the fullness and the depth of God's love for you. He loves us, and he loved you before you ever did anything to deserve it. I remember the day that all my kids were born. And I remember them taking me in that other room next to the one they were born in, and they had my my boys just sitting in these little bins, and I remember the first time I looked at them. I felt this love. They were just little alien-looking things. I mean, they were slimy. They were gross. They'd never done anything to earn my love. And I looked at my boys, and I thought, those are my boys. I love them, and I had this, and listen, my love can't even scratch the surface of God's love for you, but but that's the love that God has. He loves you before you ever deserved it, before you ever earned it, and there's nothing you can do to take his love away or to make him love you more because he already loves you perfectly. So if there's anyone in here today that feels like you don't deserve to be loved or feels like you're unlovable or feels like you're too far away, I just pray that God would just 
get your attention and just let you know how much he loves you. You know, uh, I, I didn't share this in first service, but a lot of, I've, another story that I've told before, but it was so, it was so impactful in my life. I, I was so into basketball. A lot of my identity was wrapped up in basketball. I thought if I could just be a great basketball player, that was my goal in life. And I remember some things went wrong my senior year. I broke my finger. I ended up getting benched. And, and I remember my last game of basketball, I was sitting on the bench while my team was getting blown out. And I mean, day after day, I spent hours shooting basketball, playing basketball, thinking about basketball. And here I am, the end of my high school career, and I'm sitting on the bench with 30 seconds left watching my team get blown out. And I remember that the game ended and I felt humiliated. And I felt worthless. And I felt unlovable. And I remember right after the game, my dad came up to me and he just bear hugged me. And he said, I love you. Listen to me. God loves you more than you will ever know. No matter what you achieve or, or how badly you fail, God loves you today. So number one, I hope you're getting it. God loves you. Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, listen to this, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. So here's what I, I want you to know. Number one, God loves you perfectly, more than you will ever know. Number two, God's love lives inside of you if you're a believer in Christ. Have you ever had a, like an icebreaker? I'm sure you have, where, where they say, what superpower would you like to have? Have you ever had someone ask you that question? What superpower would you want? And maybe you said, oh, I'd like to fly. I'd like to, you know, have x-ray vision. I'd like to have super speed. Can I tell you that you have a superpower? You have the perfect love of God Almighty living inside of you if you're a believer. You have a superpower. God's love is not just for you, but God's love lives in you. It says over and over again, he sent his son so that we might live through him. God lives in us. His love is made complete in us. He has given us his spirit. We rely on God's love for us. Not only does God love you perfectly, but God gives you his spirit and fills you with his perfect love so that you can love others. When, when we say that God's calling is for us to love others with Christ-like love, that's, that seems impossible. No way. I can't do it. People are too difficult. They're too annoying. They, they're too hurtful. I can't do it. How can you expect me, God, to love those people? 
We have everything we need in Christ Jesus to live holy lives, and a holy life is a life filled with Christ-like love, and we are not only loved by God, but we are filled with his perfect love. So as we grow in holiness, we grow in perfect holy love for each other. Verse 17, let's move on to the third point. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. And then listen to this. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister, this is harsh. It says whoever claims to love God but hates a brother or sister is a liar. We can, we can have it all figured out. We can look the part. But if we don't love the people around us, this says we do not love God. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And then the last line, he's given us this command. Can you repeat that word with me? Command. Say that. Command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So, so number one, God loves you more than you will ever know. Number two, God's perfect love lives inside of you. You have the superpower of God's love inside of you. Number three, God's command is this, that we love one another with that same Christ-like love. God's love is to be poured out to others. God loves us, God fills us with his love, and God wants us to pour that perfect love out to others. We are, it's our calling. It's our calling to be a people of love. More than anything else, when people look at God's church, they should see God's love and God's grace pouring out of us. So here, here's what we're going to do. You've heard God's word. It's, it's pretty simple. He loves you. He fills you with his love. And he commands you to love each other. When we go back to that article of faith that says that we, as we participate in the means of grace, that we are transformed and that we grow in holy love for each other. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to respond. Worship team, you can come on up. And we're going to respond with communion. It's said in there that as we participate in the means of grace, which is fellowship, which is the disciplines of the church and the sacraments. Listen, do you know what the word sacrament means? It means grace flows. So when we take communion... It's not just that we're remembering something that God has done for us. It's not just that we remember. By the way, yeah, if you didn't get communion, go ahead and go grab them. It's totally cool. Get up and they're in the back on the tables. And go ahead and grab your communion elements. When we take communion, it's not just remembering. But this is a means of grace. And so we know that he loves us. When we take communion, when we take the piece of bread... And we eat it, we were reminded that he loved us so much that his body was broken for us. He gave his life for us. When we drink the cup, it represents his blood, that his blood was shed for us. And we experience his perfect love for us. But another thing that happens is as we take this and it enters our body, we are being filled 
We're reminded that we are filled just in the same way this will come inside of your body and fill you. You are filled with the holy, perfect love of God. And then there's this calling that we, this command that we are to love others. So here's what I want you to do as we sing this last song. I want you to receive communion. You could take it whenever you're ready. You could take it as a family. You could take it with friends around you. You could take it by yourself. But take the bread and remember that this is Jesus' body that was broken for you because he loves you more than you'll ever know. And as you take this cup, which is his, represents his blood, remember that his blood was shed for you because he loves you more than you will ever know. And as you take it, remember that his love, his perfect holy love, fills us. And then I want you to remember that you are commanded to love each other. There may be some ways that you've been falling short in this. There may be some people that you haven't been able to forgive. There may be some people that you haven't loved well. This is not just a reminder, it's a calling. So I want you to pray, and as we sing this song, whenever you're ready, go ahead and take those elements and let the grace of God flow and transform you. Father, I pray that you continue to speak to us and help us not to sit idly, but help us to offer ourselves completely to you. And I pray that you would continue to transform us, make us holy like you, and help us to love with the love that you have for us. We love you, Lord. We give you everything today, and we take communion together in Jesus' name.